Thank you for joining us at SUNY Hub. We hope this episode has provided you with valuable insights and deepened your understanding. For more enlightening discussions and to continue your journey of knowledge, remember to follow us. May peace and wisdom accompany you. Until next time. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi hamd shakirin wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidil Mursaleen. Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad. طب القلوب ودوائها ونور الأبصار وضيائها وعافية الأبدان والشفائها وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد كلما ذكرك الذاكرون وغفل عن ذكرك الغافلون Today's subject which is death and the afterlife الموت The first question is whether موت is something that has an actual existence or not so the scholars of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah say that mawt, death, has an actual existence. And they use for proof, الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ The one who created death, خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ Life, لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا In order to trial you. Which one of you is best in action? So they say from this that al-mawt, is something which has an actual existence as opposed to the view of the Mu'tazila, an early sect. They held the view that mawt is something which is the absence of life. So they said the absence of life is death, but death in itself has no actual existence. But the position that the scholars of Ahl Sunnah wa Jama'ah took was that death has an actual existence. So death is something which is a reality which has an actual existence. And the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, أَكْثِرُوا مِنْ ذِكْرِ هَذِي مِنْ Increase in the remembrance of the destroyer of pleasures. هَذِي مِنْ is the destroyer of pleasures because death, of course, destroys all the pleasures that a person may have on, in the worldly life. Now, of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created this realm in such a way that even the pleasures that we have are in reality removal of a pain. For instance, we become thirsty. Drinking water is pleasurable, but even drinking water is to remove the pangs of thirst. Likewise, hunger, we eat food and consume food. Consuming food is to remove the pains of hunger. Likewise, when we feel warmth, it is to remove the cold, that, the bitter cold a person may be feeling. Likewise, when they need coolness, it may be to remove the heat of the day. So even the pleasures of this worldly life are limited in their scope and are only to remove uh, the pains that we may feel if we did not have that pleasure. As opposed to the akhirah, the hereafter, where there is eternal joyfulness, which every human being pangs for or longs for. They have a desire, innate desire. Every human being has an innate desire for complete joyfulness, which they may feel at times with certain experiences in the worldly life, but 
an eternal joyfulness is what awaits the believers in the Akhirah and the hereafter. But in this worldly realm, even the pleasures that we may take are something that have no longevity. They do not last for a long period of time. To show us that the worldly realm is something that will not last forever. And therefore a person should not be attached to the worldly realm. This is of course why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created evil in the world. And we say, مِن شَرِّ مَا خَلَقْ From the evil of what He created, one of the reasons is that we do not become attached to this worldly life. Then at the time of death, we would not want to leave the worldly life. We would not want to disassociate from this worldly life. So death is a reality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. This death takes a form in the world known as Alam al-Mithal, the world of forms, which is a realm which is parallel to this realm, that whenever we carry out an action, that action takes a form in that parallel realm, known as Alam al-Mithal, the world of similitudes. Even statements we may say, like Subhanallah or, or Alhamdulillah, this takes a form in the parallel universe. Death itself also takes a form in the parallel universe, which is the form of a black ram, which is mentioned in the Sahih of Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah ta'ala, that on the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will command the angels to bring death for, uh, uh, in front, plain view, of the people of paradise and the people of hell. Because there will be a period of time when paradise will be open, meaning a, a place known as Al-Araf, where people will be able to see into hell. This will be only for a limited period of time. And on the plains of the Day of Judgment, death shall be brought forth. Because remember, the Day of Judgment is a day where this world and the next world, the world that we do not see, are brought close together. This world and the world, the metaphysical realm, are brought close together that the actions that we carry out in this realm take, uh, uh, the form that they take will be visible to us on that day in order that these, those actions can be placed on the scale. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِلَيْهِ يَسْعَدُ الْكَلِمُ إِلَيْهِ يَسْعَدُ الْكَلِمُ الطَّيِّبُ To him ascend, يَسْعَدُ الْكَلِمُ الطَّيِّبُ The pure word. The pure word ascends to him because the pure word takes a form. That form is known as عَالَمُ mithal. So on that day, or in that realm, and in that time, many things will be visible to us. So death will be brought forth also. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shall command that death be sacrificed. And death will be sacrificed because after that day there will be no death. The existence of death uh, will be no longer, meaning death will be sacrificed. And at that time, the people of hellfire shall be grieved to such an extent that if there was death still in existence, they would have died. But because there is no death, they will not die. But also what is mentioned that the people of paradise will be so joyful that if there was death, they would have died out of joy and excitement. 
but because there is no death, they shall not die. This also tells us that sometimes uh, death of the heart occurs through pleasurable things. Some people ask regarding sins, that if sins kill the heart, why do we enjoy the sins so much? Some sins we may enjoy, but even if we enjoy the sins, the sins, those particular sins can kill the heart. So a person may have joyfulness, a limited happiness during those sins, but later this will have such a detrimental effect on the heart, those sins, that the person will not feel the sweetness of zikrullah, remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or the sweetness of the prayer, the salah, uh, or likewise the khushur, the humility of, within the prayer, or the presence of uh, worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if you are observing him, or knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is observing you. This is the sweetness of the iman. Halawatul Iman. So that sweetness is sometimes done away with because of those types of sins. So death itself will have an end also. Likewise, life, al Hayata, has a form. That form is the form of a horse which was witnessed and observed by who? By a Samiri. Samiri was the man from Bani Israel, from the children of Israel, who was able to observe uh, Sayyiduna Jibreel The reason being, not because he was a pious person, he was one of those people that was raised by Jibreel because he was orphaned. Another one they say was Shaddad. Two people that were raised by Jibreel and what happened was Shaddad claimed divinity and then died in Yemen. His story is one of the ancient stories. And the second one, who was As-Samiri, As-Samiri was the one who misguided Bani Israel, the children of Israel. So what they say at the time regarding Shaddad is that the angel of death ha- had to take the soul of his mother while he was stranded on a boat. So the angel of death in one narration is asked regarding when did you feel, meaning the intensity of taking someone's soul. He said when there was a child that I had to take the soul of his mother and the child was stranded on a boat. And then he was asked, when did you feel glad to take someone's soul? And he said, the, the king known as Shaddad, that I took his soul when he, when he had a city constructed from gold and silver. And then he, when he wasn't able to even witness the city because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the angel of death to take his soul. So then he is informed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that that same Shaddad is the same child. So this tells us that what we may observe outwardly as being bad, what we may observe outwardly as something being evil, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed outward benefits in everything. And likewise, 
those things we deem as being bad, they have al-ni'mul batina, good things inside. Meaning outwardly they may seem bad, but everything has some aspect of good inside of it. وَنَبْلُوكُمْ بِالشَّرِّ وَالْخَيْرِ فِتْنَةً وَإِلَيْنَا تُرْجَعُونَ We shall trial you with بِالشَّرِّ with evil وَالْخَيْرِ with good fitnatan as a tribulation وَإِلَيْنَا تُرْجَعُونَ and you shall come back to us meaning you shall be trialed with good and bad bad and good so those things that sometimes we deem as being bad are in fact they have a good outcome in the long term. So the way you can never define a book, if I said to you define a book, a story book, in 25 words, you would be unable to do so. If I said A Tale of Two Cities of Charles Dickens, define the book in 25 words. And the experience of reading the whole book is different to defining something in 25 words. Or if I said to you, the personality of an individual, explain the personality in 25 words. Every individual is unique and complex. You cannot ever explain a person in 25 words, and likewise you can never explain a book in 25 words. Likewise, life cannot be explained in short words, but the Qur'an achieves this, meaning not achieves this, the Qur'an demonstrates this, because the, Allah's divine attribute is free from achievement. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala demonstrates this to us in the Qur'an, like the Surah Al-Kawthar, إِنَّا أَعَطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ Ten words, ten words, three verses, ten words. Ten words, they were challenged to bring ten words and compose ten words and challenge Al-Qur'an Al-Kareem with the shortest surah. But they were unable to do so. Ten words with 30, 31 plus meanings. Over 31 meanings in, th- in 10 words. But uh, likewise, the Quran just saying, وَنَبْلُوكُمْ We will test you. بِالشَّرِّ وَالْخَيْرِ فِتْنَةً Just a composition of small number of words, but full of meaning. Likewise, the Quran has uh, numerous uh, statements that give us a complete meaning of life within a few Statements within a few ayat of the Al-Quran Al-Kareem. So, Al-Mawt is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created, and life is something also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created. He was able to see, As-Samiri was able to see Jibreel alayhi salam. And what did he observe? He observed Jibreel alayhi salam riding a white horse. That white horse was the representation of life in Alam al-Mithal. The represents whose vegetation would come about. So he misguided Bani Israel and commanded them to construct a calf of gold. When the calf of gold was constructed, he commanded them to place some of the soil upon which the hoof of Jibreel Ali Saddam's horse was placing its hoof on the soil. He placed he commanded them to place the soil inside of the calf, and the calf made a sound which is described in Al-Qur'an Al-Kareem as Khuar. Khuar is a moving sound. And they began to worship the, the idol, believing that the idol is God Almighty. But how did he know of this? Through observing Jibreel riding a white horse, which was the representation of life. So these two things, life and death. Life itself is a force which exists within us 
then one of the strong arguments against atheists, because atheists are four types, meaning they have a combination of four things. Atheism combined with materialism, meaning the total belief in material, uh, the materialistic realm. Or atheism combined with scientism, the total belief in science, uh, with uh, the revolu revolution of Bacon when he was able to observe bacteria and then the reliance upon science and all the different scientific discoveries, meaning a total reliance on science. Additional to that, atheism with naturalism, a combination of these four things, atheism, naturalism, scientism, and uh, likewise materialism, is the belief uh, which modern atheism espouses. But when the when the if what they say is the life that we have is just chemical reactions, thinking is, according to them, just a chemical reaction. So if you understand what water is, when you understand what water is, your understanding of what water is, comprehension of what this water is, and that comprehension is different to the water itself. But they will say, no, the apprehension of that is only a chemical reaction inside of the brain. But when life is removed, the brain is intact for a few hours, for some time prior to decomposing. The brain is intact, but something is removed. What is removed? What we refer to as a ruh, the soul. Now, because the soul is from the realm of the unseen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that we only know so little regarding the soul. The little that we know, if you, if you go through the Quran and the Sunnah, you will find abundant knowledge regarding the ruh. But in comparison to what is the reality of the ruh, it is still illa uh, qalila, a small amount of what we know. This ruh is from a'alumul arwah, the world of the souls. And the extraction of the ruh is what we refer to as death, the experience of death. Now, where does the ruh come from? The ruh, the soul itself is from a'alumul arwah the world of the souls. That the souls are firstly the seven concentric layers of, of what we refer to as as-samawat, the seven heavens. These seven heavens are different to al-jina and paradise because al-jina and paradise is located on the right-hand side of Sidratul Muntaha, the furthest lot tree. On the right-hand side is what? An area called al-jina and paradise in which Jannah is located, but the seven concentric layers of heaven, which is a total different topic, which is the topic, a subject of cosmology, on the first concentric layer, which is the first heaven, the Alamul Arwah exists in that place. And this is where, when the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, ascended on Laylatul Isra wal Mi'raj, the night journey, he observed Adam Alayhi Salam, Looking to the right, he would observe souls ascending, uh, light, souls of light ascending. And then the, the display of the souls on the left was such that they were dark with no light and descending. And whenever he would look to the right, he would smile and be happy. When he would look to the left, he would cry. This was Alam al-Arwah. He was observing the souls of his offspring. And this Alam al-Arwah, is linked to what is known as Alam Udhar, the world of what? The particle that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took the, the 
progeny of Adam السلام, from his loins and said to them, Alastu bi rabbikum. Am I not your Lord? And they said, Qalu bala. They said, of course, and Ba was the first letter that they spoke. Ba, this, this is why the Quran starts with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, the Ba. The first letter our soul spoke. So when we recite Al Quran Al Kareem, we say, after A'udhu Billahi Min Shaitani Rajim, but the Ta'awuz is not written in the Quran. We read what? Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. The Ba reminds our soul of the first letter we spoke. Bala, alastu bi rabbikum. Am I not your Lord? Bala, of course. So the soul still remembers this incident that occurred in Alamul Arwah. But someone may say, how do we not remember this incident? That it occurred, but we do not remember it now. The answer is sometimes you may have a dream. When you have a dream, and the dream would be vivid. But when you wake up and you do your daily uh, routine, you will forget the dream. But sometimes someone may come along and remind you of the dream and you may remember. And, what occur, and because dreams are two ty- three types, one is a sa- satanic dream and the second is the dream of the, the body and the self. For instance, if you go to sleep thirsty and you see water or if you eat cheddar cheese, certain foods that have an effect on dreams you will see vivid dreams. But the type of dream under discussion is the dream involving the ruh. The ruh will see a specific specific type of dream because that is the experience of the ruh. The alastu bi rabbikum experience is also an experience of the ruh. So the ruh comes from alamul arwah and then what happens is that when a man and woman, uh, they procreate the fetus develops in the womb of a woman. This fetus, initially the person, uh, the woman will feel a growth inside of the womb and some type of movement inside of the womb. This is the movement, the initial movement is the movement of growth of the flesh growing inside of the womb. But then the angel is commanded to take the ruh from alamul arwah and place the ruh and the ruh is placed in from the top point of the head of the child. This is why, of course, the gap inside of the skull at the top of the head, this gap is there to facilitate the birth, scientifically speaking. Then when the child's head comes out, the brain is not damaged. But this point also is the last point from where the soul will be removed. Then, of course, this is how the soul is placed inside of the body. But once that soul is placed... This is where the mind is activated, the heart starts to beat. Also, the first faculty that develops is the faculty of hearing. Throughout Al-Quran Al-Kareem, you will, whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions As-Sam'u, hearing, and Al-Basaru, seeing, He will always mention As-Sam'u first. As-Sam'u, hearing comes first, Al-Basar comes second. Because hearing is more important than seeing. Because if someone was uh, watching the lecture as opposed to hearing, they would not benefit as much as when they hear the lecture. But also because the hearing of a person develops first. So in the womb, the fetus hears first, and then the eyes develop, and the, uh, the child can see. But prior to that, what activates the brain is the soul being placed inside of the brain. Once the soul is placed inside of the brain, the famous hadith 
in the Arba'in Futi Hadith of Al-Imam Yahya bin Sharaf al-Nawwi rahmallahu ta'ala on the authority of Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu that the risk sustenance is written down the uh, person whether he's shaqiyun uh, wretched meaning the person of hellfire or sa'idun and this of course is a subject for a different time which is the subject of the destiny of a person whether he will enter paradise or hell so this is our life is placed inside of the child and then we come onto this earth the next step of course is death which is the subject that death itself is what the removal of the soul that the removal of this soul is what the angel of death is given the task to remove the souls of the people and the angel of death in al-quran al-kareem the angel is referred to in the singular and the angel is referred to in the plural is there a contradiction that the answer is no the, the angel of death who is known as malakul maut the angel of death and Israel is another name. This word Eel, by the way, is the, uh, the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Assyriac language. So Jibra'il, Mika'il, Israfil, Israel, these are, and uh, 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 Israel, uh, uh, one of the names of Ya'qub alayhi salam, meaning the pure servant of Allah, Israel. So here, Israel. So Ezra'il, Malakul Maut, is given this task to take the souls. But he has helper angels also that take a form in Alumul Malaika. Alumul Malaika is the realm of the angels, which is a, again another realm that exists around us. Some the materialist here may say, meaning remember the roots of atheism, one of the roots is materialistic thinking that all that exists is what we observe. Well, the simple response that a person can give them is that many years ago, uh, centuries ago, people did not know that a creature exists than what we know today as bacteria. Bacteria exists and bacteria affects our lives. If someone had said that all they believe in is what they observe, then uh, many centuries ago, people would have denied the existence of bacteria. That bacteria... Uh, they would say does not exist simply because we cannot observe bacteria. But now, centuries later, uh, the microscope was invented and people observed the bacteria. The revelation of Al-Quran Al-Kareem relates to the metaphysical realm telling us regarding those things we cannot observe with our naked eyes. That there is a realm known as Alam Al-Malaika, the realm of the angels, like there is Alam Al-Jinn, the world of the jinn. The jinn are created from fire, and the angels are created from light. So the light that they are created from is different to the light that we observe here. Someone may say, how so? For instance, if I say to you, you have this light, the light of the bulb, but then you have a light of the eye. Then you have light of the intellect. All three are referred to as light. The light of a fire, the light of the light bulb, the light of the eye, the light of the intellect. But each one is different to the other. So likewise, when we say the angels are created from light, someone will say if they are created from light, why do we not observe them the way we observe other lights? The answer is you never observe the light of the eye. You never observe the light of the intellect. Yet you know that these lights exist. Likewise, the malaika actually exist in a realm that we do not observe. 
with our five senses. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take our souls, He commands these angels to come and take our souls. And this is only befitting because the soul is from those things which are unseen. The soul is from the realm of the unseen. Likewise, the malaika also from the realm of the unseen. The unseen meets the unseen. And the unseen angel takes the soul. But we observe things with the soul that we do not see. How our mind thinks with the unseen soul. Our eyes see with the unseen soul. Our hearts feel with the unseen soul. So this soul is removed by the angel. And this re removal of the soul from the body is the existence of death. What occurs. And this experience every human being should go through. So even the Prophet ﷺ underwent the experience of death. Like birth has pangs, pains. The woman feels pains in giving birth and the child goes through stress and the child is uh, distressed at the time of birth. Likewise, leaving this world is a stressful uh, process that the person whose soul is being taken goes through a stressful period. Of course, the exceptions are like the shaheed, the martyr. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the moment of his death, the martyr's death, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows him such a vision of the unseen, of the gardens of paradise and such things, that he does not even feel the pangs of death except like the bite of, a, of, a, of an ant in one narration. That the, the way the, the ant will bite a human, he will feel that. For whomever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it easy. But those are exceptions. Famous narrations, it is mentioned that the way the soul is taken out is the way if you have thorns and cloth is placed on the thorn, then someone pulls the cloth, what will happen to the cloth? The cloth will be ripped apart. The soul of the person being taken out of the body is such. But the nerves, the nerve endings... Every nerve ending that we have, the soul is attached to that nerve ending. Everything we feel. So when the soul is pulled out, this is a natural pain process that every human being should go through. But is it something that a person should worry about? The answer is, firstly, uh, there are two ways of looking at this. Remember, you have halatul basti wa halatul qabd. The al-bast is when you look at, at the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-bast, an expansion of the heart. Halatul qabd is when you look at the divine anger and the divine punishment. This is known as halatul qabd, a restriction. Uh, some of them preserve, pre, uh, preferred halatul qabd over halatul bast. Because they said if we go into halatul bast, when, where there is only looking at the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will fall into sins. But some of them said, we prefer halatul bast, looking at the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so we do not despair. But the best way is by looking at both, balancing between what? Al-raja wal khawf. Al-raja is hope, al-khawf is fear. Then a person should desist from their bad habits, and from their sins, and implore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and beseech Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He enable them. Meaning, what is known as tawfiq, 
enablement that he enables them to abandon the sins and disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but at the same time observing the divine mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this angel, the angel of death, Malakul Maut, is the angel tasked to remove the souls and he has multiple angels that help him in doing this task. So they take a form in Alamul Malaika and sometimes this form is visible for people to see visions, meaning in a wakeful state, not visions of a, a people who are going into hallucination or imagination or uh, something uh, which mad people undergo, no real visions. Some of which Al-Imam Jalaluddin As-Sayyuti covers in his book Sharh al-Sudur that a man was lying down and uh, another person saw two birds appear. And the birds were conversing amongst themselves and these were not birds in reality. They were angels in the form of birds. And one of them went on the, f the feet uh, of the man and then they went and, he, and the bird smelt and said, I do not find anything good, meaning good actions from the feet. This shows that amal, amal actions have an effect on our physical body also. Amal actions have an effect on our physical body. In fact, amal actions have an effect on our age. Like the author of Matmul Ghaya wa Taqreeb, Rahmullah Ta'ala Abu Shuja'a, he, he lived up to the age of 180. And he, he wrote uh, a book known as Matmul Ghaya wa Taqreeb in the Shafi'i school, famous book. He retired by the age of, age of 90. When he retired from teaching in the, in the masjid, one of the masajid in Basra, he migrated to al Madinah al-Munawwara. Then he became a servant in the masjid of the Prophet And he would clean up and roll the mats, prayer mats, and light the candles, oil candles. And he served the masjid for 90 years. When they asked him, when, at the end when he passed away, they buried him where Bab Jibreel is located. His grave was located there. There was a small masjid there and his grave was uh, in that small masjid. They asked him, how did you live up to the age of 180? He said, I never disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with these body parts of mine. So, deeds have an effect on the body, they have an effect on the mind. Al-Imam Ibn Hajar al-Makki rahimallahu ta'ala in Al-Fatih al-Mubin mentions one of the causes of mental illness and one of the causes of depression is the bad deeds that a person may do. That the bad deeds have an effect on the mental state of a person. One person, he killed an animal in front of its mother. It's the mother of the animal. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inflicted, meaning he slaughtered a goat in front of its mother. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inflicted him with mental illness. While in a state of mental illness, this is mentioned by Ad-Dimyati in Al-Jawahir Al-Lu'iyah. He states, the man then found an egg of a bird in his mental illness and he returned the egg back into the nest. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala returned back him, to him his intellect. Meaning, actions have an effect on the body and the mind. Do not think bad actions do not have a bad effect. This is why Sheikh al-Arabi rahimallahu ta'ala passed away in, at the age of 118. Uh, he would pray uh, Salatul Fajr with Jama'ah in congregation for over eight years.
in Al Jami' Al Umawi recently passed away, meaning uh, just uh, in recent times, meaning I met him myself numerous times. So he was asked, How did you live to such an old age with good health? He said, we preserved our salah in our youth and it preserved us in our old age. Meaning people now make pension plans, then we will have pension plans. Why do you not make your pension plan the good deeds that you do in your youth? As you do good deeds in your youth, do not think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will abandon you in your old age. Likewise, uh, people make plans which they should for their children. But the best plan is good deeds for your children. This is why in Surah Al-Kahf, the uh, wall that was falling, there was a treasure underneath. And it was for two orphans. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded Khidr salam to straighten the wall. But why did he preserve that treasure for them? Because their forefather was a pious man. Some of the commentators say from seven generations ago. That from seven generations... It uh, helps the children. Why do you think so many Ashraf, people from the Sadat, from the family progeny of the Prophet wasallam, are protected and uh, from uh, by Allah subhanahu wa taala because of the piety of their forefathers? Even if some of them do not have the actions of their forefathers, that they, firstly their grandfather is the Prophet wasallam, then Sayyiduna Ali. Then you look through the lineage, there will be so many immense pious people that they will have wealth and uh, sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will honor them in numerous ways. They will be protected from their enemies. So likewise, anyone who is pious, it has an effect on their children. So preparation for death is through good actions. And like I said, the good actions have an effect on the body and the, the mind of a person. So at the time of death, when a person's time of death is written, many reports mention mid-Sha'ban, that the dates of death are revealed every mid-Sha'ban. Now we are in Rajab, and then next, in the next few weeks will be mid-Sha'ban. And some of the reports mention that every mid-Sha'ban, the angel of death is given the names of those people whose souls shall be taken for the remaining year. So the angel of death is informed at that time. In one narration it mentions that an inscription on a parchment. Now of course the parchment is not the type of parchments we have here. It's a parchment in the realm of the angels. Then a parchment is sent with all the names. And then the time and the location. So for the entire year, a person may be enjoying himself or during the year and not know that his name has been written amongst those who will die that year. So from now till the night of mid-Sha'ban. And of course, the night of mid-Sha'ban, even though people attempt to dispute the hadith, even if some of them are weak, the number of hadith they at least reach the rank of Hassan, meaning as acceptable. It tells us that the number of people forgiven on that night is immense also. So many people are forgiven that they exceed the number of goats and sheep that the Banu Kalb had. Now the Banu Kalb is a tribe. Bashar al-Assad, the Syrian dictator, 
He's from Banu Kalb. Appropriately, he is named Banu from the Kalbi tribe, meaning the dog tribe. But nevertheless, the, the Arab tribe is Banu Kalb. And they mention that the Sufyani who will appear before the appearance of Imam al-Mahdi, he will also, he's akhwaluhum in Kalb. His, his maternal uncles will be from Kalb. So uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best what his identity will be. They are known as Banu Kalb because in the old times, their tribe had so many dogs because they had an exceeding, exceedingly large amount of sheep and goats. So many sheep and goats that they needed dogs to look after the goats and sheep. A bit similar to what used to be named as Kutiana Mora. Yes, the, the village of the dogs, they changed the name afterwards. Why? Because why did they have dogs? Because hedgehogs would come into the wheat and corn and eat the wheat and corn. And when the hedgehogs would eat the wheat and corn, they, that, the people from that village would have dogs and they would go around, the dogs would go around and eat the hedgehogs. So the village became known as Kutiana Mora. Then, of course, now they've changed the name. But likewise, in the Arabs, they had Banu Kalb. So the hadith mentions the number of people who are forgiven exceed the number of people found in the tribe of Kalb on the night of Shaaban. So, of course, we should prepare ourselves to do Tawbah uh, before even leaving the hall, before leaving the masjid. So the names of people are written down, their death may be written, and they do not realize Every day we hear, hear of incidents of death, meaning the more the population increases, the more deaths will occur. And we hear about the incidents, a young man was working, I mean, this happens every other week, a young man was working and then he collapsed and he died. So if, a, if we are hearing regarding death, and every moment we should be preparing for death, and the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, أَكْثِرُ مِنْ ذِكْرِ هَذِي مِنْ that increase the remembrance of the destroyer of pleasures, which is death. What happens is for most people, the messengers of death arrive. One of the messengers of death, the messengers of death, which is mentioned in one of the narrations ascribed to Dawood that the angel of death said these, these signs or the messengers of death are a few, one of them is white hair that the white hair will start appearing. How do you avoid white hair and, uh, uh, by thinking less about the future? Think about the present. Meaning the more you will think about the future, the more you will have depression. Think about the present. Some of the elders would say, keep your feet active and your mind inactive. Why? Why keep the feet active when you go for a walk? And the mind inactive in regarding one, regarding worldly worries and concerns. Keep your feet active, walk everywhere, and don't keep your mind active regarding your worldly life. Uh, Al-Imam Zarnuji says, keep your mind busy with knowledge. One of the benefits of knowledge is that the concern of the person is always involved in books and the Qur'an first and then the hadith and then additional things and that he has less concerns with the worldly life that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless his age and his mind so you keep the feet active by walking everywhere and doing everything 
actively on the feet, where your body is physically active, and you keep the mind less busied in worldly concern, inshallah, you will have less white hair. But nevertheless, even if you have white hair, sometimes it's genetical that people get white hair early. But it's one of the messengers of death. That these, when you look in the mirror and you see white hairs appearing, this is one of the messengers of death. Additional to that is old age, that the back becomes bent. This is also a messenger of death. Additional to that is illness. That any type of illness that comes about is a messenger of death. These are rasail of death, meaning reminding us, aging, reminding us of our mortality. Then eventually we will die. So when these messengers of death have come about, then a person may enter uh, an actual illness from which they die. Some people, they die of cancer and they die of various diseases from which they can repent. Those people, in fact, some people become, uh, you may come across billboards where they have a person dressed up in uh, hospital apparel and they say, uh, they talk uh, regarding loneliness. So you work for uh, the NHS, you would be familiar with these posters. They have posters of an old person or a young person and they have loneliness. But a Muslim should never feel this. Why? Why as Muslims should we never feel this? Because the way we should feel regarding death is that I am going to see my beloved, meaning Allah. And then the one I worshipped all my life, the one who sends me messages of love, Rasailul Hub, death sends its messengers of death. We love the angel of death also. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends Rasailul Hub, messages of love. Some of you may say, how does Allah send you messages of love? When you wake up in the morning and you have a shower and you shower yourself, the fact that you have clean water to clean yourself is from Rasailul Hub, messages of love. The fact that we are able to drink water, the water itself is from the Rasailul Hub. Then we are able to relieve ourselves from after having drank the water. There are so many people that have, who drink water, but they are unable to pass the water. They need uh, bags, they place these bags and tubes, and they pass the urine uh, through the bags and the tubes. There are so many people who are unable to attend the masjid today because of physical pain, but we are able to attend. There are so many people who are unable to even sit on the floor, but we are able to sit on the, on the masjid floor. So these are what we refer to as a rasailul hub, the daily messages of love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends us. The fact we have no pain in our bones. There are people who need to take regular tablets to relieve themselves of this type of pain. The fact that our kidneys work, our lungs work. So these are rasailul hub from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you count the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you would be unable to enumerate them. So always count the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and never see death as a lonely place. If you are informed that you have cancer, then make preparation to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning the preparation is what? Then everything from this worldly life will be extinguished 
our observation and our soul will be taken out that we will, uh, we will observe some of this world from Alamul Barzakh, but we will be going to the one that we love, who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So an illness is a kafara, an expiation for any wrong that we may have done. Every one of us is human being. We have innate weaknesses. That the human being has been created weak. This weakness that we have is what makes us sin sometimes and do certain things that are our shortcomings. So tawbah, repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is essential at all times. When we repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we become prepared for death. So at the time of our death, now most of us will go through an illness and face that illness and then die. But many of us may face sudden death. Many of us may taste death in a way that we never expected. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, wills for us to die, we will die. What? We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for husnul khatima, a good ending. So, however we will die, what will happen? Firstly, the veils from the eye are removed. That the person begins to see some aspects of the unseen realm. What are those aspects of the unseen realm? One is the alamul malaika, the realm of the angels. At that point, the scholars dispute, is taklif removed or not? What is taklif? Taklif is the obligation to carry out the divine commands. Is it removed at that point or not? They have a dispute. Some of them say yes, some say no. Why they say no? They say once the veil is removed, the taklif is removed. Because now he is able to see the realm of the unseen. Other scholars say, no, the uh, taklif is not completely removed. But the best state to stay in uh, at all times is the state of wudu, ablution, at all times. Why? Because if at this precise moment the veil is removed, and I see the angel of death approaching, I can go into takbir and salah straight away. Yes? So I'm, my soul is taken while I go into, I mean, just quickly turn towards the Qibla and do takbir and die. Straight away. Why? Because the soul will be taken at that point. So many of you saw the video of Al-Allama uh, Muhammad Sa'id Ramadan Al-Buti, Rahimallahu Ta'ala. The explosion happened, but he did not die at that point. They approached him, and the people who were approaching him, one was his grandson who also died, the man who approached with the, with the black clothes, and then he touches his head, that's his grandson. They approach, they remove him from the chair, and then they take him further down, and then what happened, he pointed downwards towards, towards the ground, meaning, let go of me. When they let go of him, he fell into prostration and then died. Of course, his wudu was intact because in the Shafi'i school, the blood does not invalidate the wudu. So in his school that he follows, the wudu was intact. So this was husnul khatima, a good ending. Likewise, one interesting fact mentioned by Al-Imam Abdul Rasul al-Barzanji, Muhammad bin Abdul Rasul al-Barzanji, rahimallah, in Al-Isha'a, Oh, the discussion of sudden death. Fujatul Maut is one of the Ashratul Sa'a, signs of Day of Judgment, from the minor signs. He mentions various 
sudden deaths that occurred. And then he says, to this day, no report reached me regarding any khatib, person giving a sermon, dying while giving the sermon. But in our day and age, there are numerous videos of various khutaba, people giving a sermon or a speech and they have a good death, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removes their souls. So this is something that we get to observe in our day and age because of the advances of technology. So when a person increases in, in his a'mal saliha, and there is no point for distress and despair for a few reasons. Number one is that if you, what is between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of that you do everything for the sake of Allah. This is something known as ikhlas, sincerity and sidq, truthfulness. This is something no one can ever taint. Even shaitan can never taint ikhlas and sidq. If you have ikhlas and sidq in your iman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not remove your iman at the time of death. So when you are alone, what is between you and Allah, you are sincere in your iman, your iman will not be removed at the time of death. There are certain actions which negate iman that are mentioned, like at-tahawun bis-salah, abandoning the prayer or being lazy in the prayers, or disobedience to the parents in those things which are mubah, permitted. And likewise, what is mentioned, iza'ul muslimin, harming other Muslims. These are three things that are mentioned, fusul khatima, bad ending. So a person should make repentance to, for that straight away. Otherwise, the iman being removed means that these actions cause the iman to be weakened, the faith to be weakened, that eventually the iman could be taken away, salbul iman, the removal of the iman at the time of death. Those actions which weaken the iman. In one hadith narrated by Imam al-Hakim, it states that shurbul khamar, drinking alcohol and zina, adultery and fornication, these two actions weaken the iman, that at the time of death the iman could be removed. But at the same time, if a person has abandoned all these sins, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and has ikhlas and sidq, they should rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will preserve my iman. If you rely on yourself, then you should fear the removal of iman. Meaning the reliance is upon Allah, not reliance upon yourself. So, additional to that, increasing of good actions, one of those good actions is using the miswak. Then the Imam Jalaluddin Asiyuti rahimallahu ta'ala states that a person who uses the miswak, he states that he, he, he infers from the hadith of Sayyidatuna Aisha radiallahu anha that one of the last acts that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa performed was the miswak. And he says, he infers from this, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will enable the mu'min who uses the miswak, utilizes the miswak, to utter the testimony of faith at the time of death. So, increasing of a'mal saliha, obedience to parents, not harming Muslims, meaning avoiding harming any Muslim, and being punctual in the prayers, and additional types of actions, these type of actions, and abandoning those actions, which displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then when the veil is removed, people are three categories. 
One category is the disbeliever. So many of these reports we read that the angel of death comes in a, in a form that frightens the individual. These are reports relating to disbelievers. But a believer should not despair. Why? Because if he has ikhlas and sidq, truthfulness in his iman, and then additional to that he performs good actions, remember, when you intend one good action, what happens? One good action is written down. When you carry out the good action, ten good actions are written down. Then the ten good actions are multiplied by 700. And then, when a person intends a bad action, no bad action is written down. When he carry out, carries out the bad action, only one bad action is written down after six hours. Why after six hours? In case he repents. And then, if he doesn't repent, then only one bad deed is written down. But finally, the bad deeds are erased. The good deeds will make the bad deeds go away. So erasing of the bad deeds. And then you know the hadith of the man who on the day of judgment will be brought forth and his bad deeds will be as far as the eye can see. And then one bitaqa, a card, will be brought forth, which is the testimony of faith. And the testimony of faith will outweigh all his bad deeds. This is a person who had no good deeds. So imagine the believer who has good deeds and the good deeds are erasing the bad deeds and he repents to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, the one who repents from sinning is like the one who has no sins. So the, the hadith which describes the angel of death coming in a frightening appearance is regarding the disbeliever. But we as believers, firstly we have husnu dhan billah. Good thoughts regarding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and never despairing because despair is a major sin. Despairing is one of the major sins. Kabair. So a person should not despair if they have repented. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts their repentance. So the only thing remains after this is hukukul ibad. The rights of the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then a person if he has wronged other people then he must repent of that before dying. How does he repent? Firstly, he seeks forgiveness for them. And he seeks their forgiveness if possible. If not possible, then every day he does a certain amount of good deeds. And at the end of the day, he does dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, oh Allah, place this in the sahifa, in the scrolls of those people who I have wronged. And likewise, if the wrong is financial, then he makes amends and gives them back the money. Now, someone asked me a question, they stole money from someone, but the person does not know they stole from them. Now they've repented. They want to return back the money. So I said, return the money back without them realizing it's from you. So you can even mail the person uh, in an envelope the amount of money. They would from someone anonymous. Or give the money to a third party to go and give the money to the person as a gift from an anonymous source. There are so many ways you can bypass the problems that you have caused for other Muslims. And if you believe by asking them for their forgiveness, it will cause further problems, then you perform certain a'mal, salih, good actions for them and place them in the sahifa. And abandon Riba, backbiting, and namima as, as much as possible. Because these two sins of the tongue 
are one of the main causes of bloodshed. This is why when the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was passing by the two graves and the two men were being punished and he said they are being punished not for something major. What does that mean? Not something major that they, it was not difficult for them to abandon. One, he would, would not ensure that the urine drops do not go onto his clothing. I mean, drops of urine which are avoidable. Drops of urine which are avoidable. And the second one, he performed namima, tail-bearing, going from one group to another and bringing different tales regarding other Muslims. Both of them were being punished. But what was the wisdom of these two sins being mentioned? The answer is the first one was being punished for hukukullah, the right of Allah, which is ibadah. The greatest form of ibadah is salah. Salah is the greatest right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And salah is performed through tahara, purification. This person abandoned tahara, therefore he is being punished firstly for tahara. And the second is hukukul uh, ibad, the rights of the servants of Allah. The greatest right of the servant of Allah is his blood. And the blood of another person is shed through slander. When one group of people slander another group, and then eventually it leads to bloodshed and the, a person is killed. So the punishment started with the sins of the tongue. So, hukukul ibad, the rights of the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are heavier than the hukuk of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, w- w- preparation for death is that we repent from all the hukukul ibad, the rights of the creation that we may have wronged. Every day, recite a certain amount. Uh, in uh, Imam Dimyati rahimahullah ta'ala mentions a specific uh, recitation that a person can recite. That there are specific things a person can recite and then donate them to the sahifa, the scroll of the uh, people that you have wronged. So when this veil is removed, the second form and the third form is for the believers. That the believers are those that either Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven all their sins and their good deeds have been accepted and they are the pure soul that is addressed as what? Al-Nafsul Mutma'inna. That this Al-Nafsul Mutma'inna and the soul which has reached the state of what? Tum'anina. What is Tum'anina? The Quran states, Ala bi-zikrillahi tatma'innu al-qulub. Behold, with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the hearts find what? Tum'anina, meaning the satisfaction, a state of satisfaction that a man may appear as just someone sitting in the masjid or someone walking on the street, but his state is different to the state of someone else doing the same thing. Meaning a state, a spiritual state or a maqam state does not have to be long-lasting. But a maqam is long-lasting. Is such a thing that a person may appear to be normal, but he has a secret which is between him and Allah. This is the meaning of when we say, قُدِّسَ سِرُّهُ Be purified his secret. What do they mean by secret? The soul. Sir is the soul. Why is the soul the secret? Because the state of the soul is such that the soul reaches a state of tum'anina, satisfaction, that the person... Uh, is in a state of satisfaction which is between him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, 
another is the form of a the soul of a believer who may have mixed his actions. Both of these, their souls are taken out also. But what happens, what is the sign of a good death and the, the death of a believer? One sign is the sweat that appears at the top of the forehead. That's, there is a sweat that appears at the top of the forehead. This sweat is a good sign. That the, the sign of a good death of a believer. And what happens is that the angel of death takes the soul from the foot. One of the wisdoms of when we go into ruku or into bowing, we look at the feet. Remember your death when looking at the feet and we say, Subhana Rabbil Azim. We should remember that this foot that we walk on the earth with is that foot from where our soul shall be taken. And as I mentioned, from each nerve, the soul is removed. And the last point from where the soul is taken is from the top of the head from where it came, where it entered, where it was placed by the angel. And this is why the eyes travel upwards. Why do they travel upwards? Because the vision, of course, we observe with our eyes in this world, but what will start happening is that when the vision is removed from the eyes, the eyes move upwards because we are observing now with our soul. When we start observing with our soul, we attempt to follow upwards with the eyes. A natural thing to do is to move the eyes upwards. So the eyes move upwards and then the soul is taken out. Now the person is observing with the soul because the soul is from the unseen and the realm of the unseen is only observed with that which is from the unseen. And the soul is taken out from its cage, this cage qafs that we have in this world. And the soul is taken by the angels. So in accordance with the piety of the person and his taqarrub, closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the person is now able to observe the realm of the metaphysical realm, the world of the unseen. Meaning the more pious, the more he is able to see as samawat, as samawatu sabr because the soul will ascend. The soul of the pious people ascends. When it ascends, where will it ascend to? Firstly, the pace at which the soul ascends is different to the pace of what we know in this realm. Every night when we go to sleep in Alam al Nom, the world of sleep, we, our souls ascend. But at the same time they are ascending, but they are pre imprisoned by the body. So the ascension is limited but they still ascend. Uh, similar to if you place a cloth over a, a bulb, what will happen? The cloth will hold some of the light back, but some of the light will emanate through. That's how our souls are now, that when the soul does emanate through, we experience dreams, because the soul enters Alam al-Barzakh, or Alam al-Mithal. Alam al-Barzakh is... The intermediary stage between Alam al-Barzakh is the realm which is halfway in this realm and halfway in the next realm, like a dead person. How the dead person, when we observe him, his physical body is in this realm, but yet he is experiencing something of the unseen. So he is in Barzakh. This is what is meant by Barzakh. The barrier, why is it a barrier? Because it is between both realms. Like Between the two types of waters, the salty and the sweet, there is a barzakh, 
and then the two do not mix. La yabriyan. But a barzakh exists from this realm and the next realm. So the dead body that we observe, the person is, his body is in this realm, but his soul is in the next. And what happens is the body, then the soul, when it ascends, of course, dream interpretation is a different subject, but it interlinks with the soul and the observation of the soul of Alamul Barzakh and what forms things take from this realm to the next realm. And a person who is a master dream interpreter will know exactly what forms are being take place, what things take what form in that realm. This is how a person becomes a master dream interpreter. But of course, the Arifin, they observe Alum al-Mithal. Some of them observe Alum al-Mithal. They observe Alum al-Mithal in a wakeful state. Different to hallucinations and a mental illness, no. And Arif Billah, some of them, not all, it's not a necessary aspect of uh, being a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but some of them may have observation of Alum al-Mithal. Of course, what's necessary for a wali is al-istiqama, which is staying upon al-istiqama, which is an istiqama, steadfastness and faith and sharia, an iman and the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and what does the wali have? The secret that he has is not the miracles and the observation of Alam al-Mithal. This is not the secret. And neither is it the goal. The secret that he has is that taqarrub to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the secret. With that secret, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may confer upon different gifts. But this is not essential. So... The soul ascends, when it ascends, it ascends into the doors that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created for every human being. Those doors have our names, but they are not doors like these physical material doors that we have. They are doors that exist beyond the boundaries of the known physical universe. This universe beyond the physical universe and the galaxies that we observe are metaphysical doors that exist. Our actions that we perform on a daily basis, those actions take a form and ascend also into those doors. How are they able to travel so fast? Because they are beyond the physical realm that we observe, that the actions enter. If the actions are accepted, this is the meaning of ilayhi yasa'adu, to him ascend. Meaning, they ascend into the metaphysical realm. They enter the doors, and then the angels take hold of those actions and they ascend. Whenever workings occur in that realm. But when the soul is finally taken, the soul is made to ascend into or toward that door. So the angels who were guardians of that particular door will know the person. How are the angels uh, familiar with us? They are familiar with us through our actions. When they see the good actions entering the door, then the soul of the person ascends to the door, and they will recognize the person. Meaning they know that this is the person of these actions that were ascending through and were accepted. Why are actions accepted? If you keep al-ikhlas wa sidq, meaning sincerity and a sidq with Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept your actions. And if you do away with those things which prevent the actions from entering, 
And then the soul is brought towards that door. When the soul is brought toward that door, the soul then enters the door. And it enters into the seven heavens. Samawatu Sabah. According to the closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the soul will observe the workings of each heaven. But it is taken quickly through the seven heavens until it, the soul is placed in a place known as Ailiyun. This Ailiyun is a station where the good souls are placed, as opposed to Sijin. Sijin is where the souls of the disbelievers are placed. So the soul of the disbeliever, we read about the punishments and what occurs with the soul of the disbeliever and how the soul of the disbeliever is sent down beyond the seven earths. This, of course, is what the person experiences at the time of death. Now, additional points relating to this is the life in the grave. That when our soul tastes this death and we, our soul is taken, the soul of the believer ascends into the seven heavens and then is placed in Iliyin and some of the souls of the believers are left floating. According to some of the scholars, left floating just at the proximity of the doors. And another group of scholars say that the souls of the believers are placed in the Zamzam well. There are a, diff a few different reports and narrations regarding this. But once the person has died on earth, a fraction of a moment could be a billion years in Almul Barzakh. Why? Because Alamul Barzakh is timeless. It is a timeless realm, meaning time is relative. A second could go back by an earth, but a billion years will go by in Alamul Barzakh. Or sometimes hundreds and thousands of years can go by on earth, and only a second has gone by in Alamul Barzakh. This explains why some of the pious people when they will be resurrected, they will feel only a moment of time has gone by. But some of the disbelievers, when they will be resurrected, they will feel thousands of years have gone by, or millions of years have gone by, and eternity has gone by, because the realm itself is timeless. It exists in a motionless, timeless realm, meaning not a material realm. So this soul that was taken on earth, now his body, is open to the rules of the, the laws of this world. So the exception being the bodies of the Prophets The bodies of the Prophets by consensus do not rot, are not prone to the laws of what the general human beings undergo. So if their bodies are placed in the ground, their bodies do not rot. But not only this, the hadith states, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has returned my soul. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala returns their souls. And what else they worship in the graves? That the hadith states, I passed by the grave of Musa salam under a red dune hill, and he was standing up praying, worshipping. So they are an exception to this rule. Likewise, some exceptions of the pious people, like the shuhada, the martyrs. The one who's, someone may say, sometimes we observe martyrs on the battlefield, and after days their bodies are decomposing. The answer is, 
if the martyrdom is accepted with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the body will not decompose. And then another, another exception is the muadzin, the one who gives the adhan. So some pious people, but not all. There may be some pious people whose bodies decompose. It doesn't negate their piety. It doesn't negate their closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But generally, uh, the general, generality of human beings, their bodies decompose. There are exceptions. But the Prophet ﷺ, their bodies being preserved is something which is an essential belief. So what happens is the body then is prone to decomposure. Uh, once it starts decomposing, the uh, rigor mortis sets in. So the Muslims are told to bury the person as soon as possible. Now, what happens is even though the soul is taken from the body, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created some type of connection between the soul and the body. In today's day and age, we, we will give a, an example of a Wi-Fi. So between the device and the Wi-Fi, sometimes the connection is strong. The weak connection is established for everyone. The strong connection would be what? that the soul is actually returned back to the bodies. That is the exception of whom? The Prophet ﷺ. Then with the shuhada, their souls are in birds, green birds. That the soul is placed in the, in the green birds that then fly around in paradise. And the shaheed observes the bounties of paradise, but his body is preserved and there is some link between his soul and body. Then you have weaker links. But the general humanity, they have a weak, the weakest link, which is one. In the disbeliever, his body is in his soul is in sijin, but it has some weak link with the body. Likewise, the believer, he has some link with the body. And what happens? The experience that they are undergoing is observed by the ruh, but is also experienced by the body. So. This would answer the question which materialists ask. They say, if we place the camera in the grave, we do not observe the barzakh. That is because the barzakh is being experienced by the ruh, but it does affect the body somehow as well, because of the link between the ruh and the body. So what happens is that the body now decomposes in the grave. Some people ask the question, if the body is consumed by animals, what happens? How is there a link between the, the body and the person? Or if the person drowns in the sea? The answer is that when he is consumed by an animal, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created a link between the ruh and what is known as the base of the spine, which is known as the coccyx bone, which is known as ajabul zamb. This bone, the link always remains. Even if the body decomposes, even if the bone disintegrates, the DNA of that bone always remains. When you do some research on the DNA of the coccyx bone, you will find that even if it is blasted with a laser, the DNA can never be destroyed. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created it as such. So the DNA always remains. And then what remains of that base of the spine, the DNA and the soul are always linked. So even if a wolf eats a human being, the or a shark eats a human being. The DNA is, the bone is consumed by the animal. 
then the animal digests the bone and in some cases may relieve itself of the bone then the waste goes back into the sea or wherever into the ground so the DNA will go back into the ground likewise if it becomes a part of the animal the protein of the animal the DNA is within the protein of the animal and then the animal will die and go back into the ground so in some cases the DNA will go into the ground and then centuries later people may make bricks from the soil and then the brick is placed in the wall and that is the barzakh of the person likewise the, the recycling they mention if you check research that some of this water we may be drinking could be water which was drunk by people hundreds of years ago because the water is recycled through the ecosystem so like this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps the DNA of the person preserved in various means and that its connection is established with the ruh and they experience alam al-barzakh the world of the the barzakh the intermediary stage but the generality of Muslims are placed in the grave so when our body is placed in the grave some people they mentioned to me uh, in the past someone mentioned to me that they had a phobia of the grave which was uh, made inside of them because of listening to different lecturers mentioning the horrific aspects of the grave but the believer should not have such horrendous uh, nightmares or phobias or sleeplessness no why because the soul is what is experiencing the world of the metaphysics that when the body is placed in the darkness of the grave you still have the experience of the soul then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shall show you a garden from the gardens of paradise that in, in comparison what the body is experiencing the delight the person is observing and in comparison what the body is experiencing will be insignificant like for instance if someone has a pain a deep pain and his mind is distracted with something else then the pain becomes insignificant in comparison so this is the experience of the believer that they should never fear death rather they should look forward to the time where they shall meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so when they enter the grave or when the body is washed some of the when the body is washed the soul has some experience of this even though the soul is located in Iliyin now the shrouding and the janaza salatul janaza and all of this experience for the believer this is why in one hadith it, it is described as an urs why is the word urs mentioned because an urs is like the first wedding night is the is the first wedding night that the believer is being placed in the grave as if it were an urs a wedding in the sense that the believer after all this time now is experiencing the closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so the horrific image of al-munkar wa nakir entering the grave is for uh, meaning the disbeliever becomes frightened more than the believer even though there is a dust in the grave dust is a squeezing of the grave even the companions Ali Muridwan experienced the spirit uh, the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stood on the, the uh, near the grave of a companion and mention and inform to the other companions that this companion is experiencing a dhagh a squeezing of the grave the way a mother squeezes a child this is the type of squeezing a believer feels
So the a'mal the person has done now, they protect the person. Meaning a'mal salih had good actions. So the experience of the grave at the time of burying the person, a person generally meaning we should recite Suratul Mulk. Suratul Mulk is the chapter which is recited every night. What is the easiest way of reciting this chapter? Meaning memorize the chapter, memorize the chapter. After memorizing the chapter, every rak'atain that you pray after your Salatul Maghrib Fard, the two sunnah of Maghrib, recite Suratul Mulk in those two rak'atain. If you do this, you will never miss Suratul Mulk. Meaning some people attempt to recite Suratul Mulk every day, but they miss Suratul Mulk. The best method is what? After Maghrib, when you pray your two sunnah, pray your Suratul Mulk within the two sunnah. You will never miss Suratul Mulk like this, inshallah. So, when the person is placed in the grave, the Suratul Mulk in one hadith, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam states to a companion who placed a tent uh, mistakenly on a grave. And in his dream, again, because the soul enters barzakh. This is why you read stories of people who go to sleep and they meet people who are from the dead. When you meet people from the dead, the dream doesn't need interpretation. Uh, three types of dreams don't need interpretation. One is if you see and observe inanimate objects talking to you. So if a bottle talks to you, the dream does not need interpretation because what it tells you is literal. Uh, if you see animals talking to you, what they tell you is literal. And the third is dead people. If you observe dead people, what they tell you is literal. So this companion went to sleep. And of course, because the, when you go to sleep, the light of the soul profuses or diffuses into Alam al-Barzakh. He saw the person in the grave and he was reciting Surah Al-Mulk. So the companion awoke frightened. He went back and informed the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who told him, this surah is what? Al-Munjiya, that which gives you salvation. So Surah Al-Mulk is something which we should recite because it protects you from Adab Al-Qabr. But additional to that, when we are burying someone, what Al-Imam Al-Hubayshi, one of the scholars of Yemen from over 700 years ago, he mentions that when you bury someone, take the soil, handful of soil, and recite Surah Al-Qadr seven times. And blow on the soil, then place the soil into the grave, and bury the person, inshallah, they will be saved from Adab Al-Qadr. This second action is not from Hadith. It's from, uh, Imam Al-Hubayshi mentions it, but we hope with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that such a salih person, meaning from, from the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they do not base this on uh, whims and desires. They have some basis for saying such things. But of course the Quran is a shifa and a rahma. Shifa wa rahmatul lil mu'mineen. For the believers. So the Quran will have uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will create some effect when a person carries out this action. So the experience that they have in the grave is experienced meaning the soul is observing everything in the metaphysical realm and then there is a connection between the soul and the body. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable us to act upon some of which uh, I have stated. May He enable us to remember our own death with regard to coronavirus. Just tie your camel, 
meaning wash your hands regularly, which we do anyhow, as well as if uh, the government has prohibited people from traveling, do not travel. This is in accordance with the sunnah, that if there is a disease in a place, do not travel to that place. And if you live in an area where there is disease, do not travel out. So cancel all traveling. But continue praying your salah in the masjid and continue with lessons, continue with everything. If you have a fever, do not attend the masjid. If you have a fever, do not attend the lessons. And if it comes about that uh, even gatherings such as this are prohibited, then what we should do is do live streams, meaning uh, now we have the, the day, digital age, we can still access knowledge and be able to uh, impart knowledge to others. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to safeguard us from these ashratu sa'a, the signs of the end of times which are occurring and will now increase, meaning in the coming years, signs of the day of judgment will increase. And these are fit and times of tribulation. The, the yawm al-qiyamah for every believer is his own death. But then the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam warned the companions regarding a dajjal to such an extent that some of them would say, we feared that he may be in the date, date palm trees. Meaning, some people say it's futile to discuss Ashratu Sa'a, signs of the end of times, when it's a Ruknur Rabi', the fourth pillar of the religion, which Sayyidina Jibreel السلام, discussed with the Messenger of Allah. And the Messenger of Allah وسلم, gave him some of the Ashratu Sa'a, showing that it's the fourth knowledge. So the four knowledges being what? Islam, Sharia, which Islam is what? The law. Al-Iman, belief, which is Aqeedah. The third being one, Al-Ihsan, which is Tazkiyah, Tasawwuf. The fourth being one, Ashratu Sa'a. Ashratu Sa'a, the signs of the end of times. So these are things which, knowledge of which should be disseminated amongst people. And coronavirus should not stop us from disseminating knowledge. If it comes to a stage where it's uh, illegal to congregate, or it is an actual danger, then ulama and teachers should disseminate knowledge via the, the media, via the means which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created, as if to say to us that a time will come where people will not be able to congregate, so he has, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has facilitated for us means by which we can utilize, inshaAllah ta'ala. Aqul qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa atubu Thank you for joining us at SUNY Hub. We hope this episode has provided you with valuable insights and deepened your understanding. For more enlightening discussions and to continue your journey of knowledge, remember to follow us. May peace and wisdom accompany you. Until next time.